Welcome to our podcast for college Catholics where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I'm Father Patrick. I'm not sure if you're aware, but every time I release a podcast episode, I include some show notes or episode notes, which you can see in your podcast platform. There I put a summary of the current episode, some further reading about the topic, and also some information about my religious order, Midas Christi. This is a Catholic religious order, and we have houses in Italy, in Mexico, Argentina, and the United States. Now, here in the U.S., we have houses in Michigan, California, and Denver. And I'm a member of the community that is here in Michigan, very close to the city of Detroit. And uh, this has something to do with this episode that we're going to talk today about the virtue of hope. So Detroit was founded in 1708. One, 1701. Around a century later, the city had grown a lot. But unfortunately, in 1805, there was a great fire and most of the city was burnt. It was burnt down. Everything except for one building. So the motto of the city, the current motto of the city of Detroit, recalls that great fire and its devastation. The motto was written by a Catholic priest, Father Gabriel Richard, who also is a co-founder of the University of Michigan. So the motto of Detroit reads in Latin, Speramus meliora resurget cineribus. Translated to English, it says, We hope for better things, and it will rise from the ashes. So there is a positive hope in the future, that the future times would be better for the city and its inhabitants. Now, this hope, in this case, means that we trust, we believe, we desire that the future may be better. And we are pretty sure that the future is possible, that that future, that better future is possible. However, the hope referred to in this motto of Detroit is a natural hope. That is, it's a hope about the future of the city its splendor, its social and business life. And it's a hope based mostly on our human capacities. Of course, it's a good thing to have such a hope. Now, I'm sure that um, being, being a Catholic priest, Father Gabriel Richard also had in mind to subtly refer to a Christian hope because the motto is generic enough. It could be uh, perfectly applied to the hope in the future life in heaven and the hope of our future resurrection following the resurrection of Christ, right? Re resurging, re reappearing from the ashes of our dead bodies and so forth. However, the direct meaning of the motto referred to the city and its temporal future. So this natural hope represents a desire, a perception, or willingness that the future will most probably be better. In the best of cases, there is not just a vague desire, but moreover a certain assurance that the future will be better. But that assurance is based on human, natural reasons. For example, in the case of the city of Detroit, a reason could be that the people of Detroit are hardworking. They are resilient. Or another reason could be because they had enough resources to make it happen, or because they might be receiving help from other states. 
Now, the hope that we want to talk about in this episode is a supernatural hope, a hope that finds its, uh, its foundation in God, and a hope that has its, as its goal reaching eternal life, eternal salvation, heaven. In that sense, we have uh, great examples in the scriptures of what hope, this supernatural hope, means. One of those examples is uh, Job, right? There's an entire book about the life of Job. This man from the Old Testament who was suffering greatly in many ways. He had lost all his property, both real estate and cattle and animals, and even his family members. Not only that, but he was suffering a sort of leprosy in his body. The only thing that he had was his wife. And his wife said to him, we read in the book of Job, chapter 2, verse 9, Do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. That's what his wife told him. So, to make things worse, he had a group of friends who came supposedly to comfort him and strengthen him, but instead they kept accusing him that this, the, the sufferings he was undergoing were caused by his own sins or uh, his own wrongdoings. However, Job knew he was innocent and he stayed faithful to God, whom he believed knew his interior innocence and that he, God, would eventually vindicate him and crown his fidelity. This is why in the middle of his suffering, Job said, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, then from my own flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see on my side, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. So that's in the book of Job, chapter 19, verse 25. So in the midst of his most uh, terrible sufferings, he knew, he believed with firm faith and hope that God existed, that he would be redeemed, and that after his death, he would be risen from the dead, and in his own flesh and his own eyes, he would see God. That is true supernatural hope. It wasn't just a hope looking forward uh, toward a future of health in this life or a vindication in this life alone. He believed that God would be faithful to his promises, the promise of a future life and resurrection to those who are faithful to him. And that is what hope is about, supernatural hope. While faith teaches us that this life is passing, that there will be judgment after death, and then a life that is eternal for those who are saved, hope gives us the assurance that those things will actually happen. And that assurance is not based on a subjective willingness on our part, a sort of desire that these uh, things might happen. That hope is, that assurance is based on the certainty that God has promised these things and that God is faithful to his promises. Another amazing example that always is, is pretty moving whenever I read it uh, 
an example of hope, is the one of the Maccabees, particularly the seven sons of a mother who were forced to violate the Jewish law or they would be tortured and killed. They started torturing them most cruelly and brutally one by one. They would scalp them, cut off their tongue, and even their limbs as well. Some of them they fried in boiling oil and fire, but still they would persevere, knowing that God would reward them and return to them the limbs that the evil king was cutting off. Among them, the mother was most amazing. We read in uh, chapter 7 of the second book of Maccabees, where the mother says the following, I do not know how you came into being in my womb. It was not I who gave you life and breath, nor I who set in order the elements within each of you. Therefore the creator of the world, who shaped the beginning of man and devised the origin of all things, will in his mercy give life and breath back to you again, since you now forget yourselves for the sake of his laws. They, all the, all the children of this mother, died one by one, while the mother and those who still lived were forced to look on. The mother, says the book of Maccabees, was especially admirable and worthy of honorable memory. Though she saw her seven sons perish within a single day, she bore it with good courage because of her hope in the Lord. When the last one was uh, left alive, the king offered him riches and positions of honor in his kingdom, if only he would break the law of Moses. But as the child remained firm, he asked the mother to convince him to eat the pork that was forbidden and so save his life. So the mother, and I quote this from the second book of Maccabees, leaning close to her youngest son, spoke in their native tongue as follows, deriding the cruel tyrant. My son, have pity on me, I carried you nine months in my womb and nursed you for three years and have reared you and brought you up to this point in your life and have taken care of you. I beseech you, my child, to look at the heaven and the earth and see everything that is in them and recognize that God did not make them out of things that existed. Thus also mankind comes into being. Do not fear this butcher, but prove worthy of your brothers. Accept death, so that in God's mercy I may get you back again with your brothers. Up to there, the book of Maccabees. So there we see the firm hope this mother had in the promise that God would give heaven and the final resurrection to those who are faithful to him. And that is what the essence of the theological virtue of hope is. As the Catechism says in number 1817, Hope is a theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness, placing our trust in Christ's promises and relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. So hope comes as a result of the virtue of faith. Through faith, we believe what God has taught, as we uh, said in the previous episode. Through faith, then, we believe that there is heaven and hell and life after death and a resurrection of the body. However, through hope, we are assured that all those things will be given to us 
by God if we do what is in our part. Because we believe that God is faithful to his promises. So the assurance of our hope does not come from an optimistic point of view or an act of our will that thinks that the future will be brighter. On the contrary, this assurance of uh, hope is founded, is based on God's fidelity and on the fact that, it is, that God is faithful and he will fulfill what he has promised. If we have a strong, unwavering faith, we will also have a strong hope. So as a result of hope, we are given an interior peace and even spiritual joy that are totally compatible with the present difficulties and sufferings. Like the case of the Maccabees. They were suffering, but they died in peace and even with courage and spirit, in spite of the brutal sufferings that they had to and tortures that they had to suffer. So that supernatural hope responds to a certain natural inclination of the human heart to think that this world with its miseries cannot be the final thing. Death cannot have the final word. So God, through his promises, fulfills also a natural desire that is in our hearts and lifts us up from sadness and despondency. And sometimes it is that hope that gives courage to the saints in the midst of the most uh, difficult situations. As we read in the Catechism, the virtue of hope responds to the aspiration to happiness which God has placed in the heart of every man. It keeps man from discouragement. It sustains him in times of abandonment. It opens up his heart in expectation of eternal beatitude. Buoyed up by hope, he is preserved from selfishness and led to the happiness that flows from charity. Another final element that I'd like to highlight regarding hope is that through hope, we're not only assured that God will give heaven to those who are faithful, but we're also assured that as long as we don't stubbornly reject uh, God's grace, we will persevere to the end and die in the state of grace. So a very common temptation that people have is the thought that we won't be able to persevere in our faith until death. So the fear that even though we want to live according to our faith and die in the state of grace, that for some reason we will sin and be unfaithful. That's a temptation. So however, uh, the virtue of hope assures us that God will actually help us to be faithful as well. That God will give you the means, the graces, to remain faithful to the end. And this is the grace of final perseverance, a grace which is a gift that we should ask uh, God to grant us frequently and believe that he wants to give it to us. Actually, the grace of final perseverance is a grace to ask uh, to, to St. Joseph, right? St. Joseph is the patron of a good death. So he is the one who grants us the graces to die in the state of grace. So a little bit Coming now to practicalities, let's say. How can you practice this hope, supernatural hope in God? So first of all, through daily prayer. Right. So when you go to pray, you want to remind yourself and believe firmly that God listens attentively to your prayers and will actually give you the graces you need to persevere in the state of grace. He will also, when you ask for them, right? he will also give you the things you need in this life to serve him well. 
He might not give you comfort and wealth, but he'll give you the grace and the eternal life if you ask for it. Another way to practice hope is in the choices you make every day. When uh, you choose things, you should choose those things that are pleasing to God and that are helpful toward your salvation. When we choose things for this world as if all our happiness were to be found in this life alone, we are leaving out precisely the virtue of hope. Moreover, many times our concerns about the future are mostly limited to this life and so forth. Now, this doesn't mean that in order to have true hope, we should be oblivious of our needs in this life. Of course, of course not. But the point is, what is the main goal, the main driving force that moves us, moves you to make your decisions? And that driving force should be the hope of eternal life and the final resurrection. Another attitude proper of supernatural hope is not to get not to get uh, overly saddened or depressed with sufferings and the difficulties that come our way. If we want to have true hope, we will always learn to look at the bigger picture, to know that God is in control, that he is provident, that he will help you and lead you to eternal life. A great example of this is the uh, prophet Habakkuk. Not sure if you ever heard about him, There's an entire book in the Old Testament about about him. Apparently, um, during his time, around the year 586 BC, it's not sure, but probably written about that time, the Chaldeans under King Nebuchadnezzar had completely destroyed the city of Jerusalem. It was utter desolation. Many people were killed or taken into exile. So Habakkuk, cries out to God in pain and fear for the destruction that is at hand. But at the end of the book, the prophet puts forth an amazing prayer in which he professes his hope in God. We read, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My steps stutter beneath me. However, I will quietly await for the day of destruction that comes upon the people who invade us. Though the fig tree blossom not, nor fruit be on the vines, though the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, Though the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. So what an amazing witness of hope in God. You have to imagine, at the time of Habakkuk, there were no supermarkets, no grocery stores, no credit cards, no bank accounts. And therefore, what you had to eat was what was in your property. So if you had fruits, if you had a garden, if you had animals, that was all your sustenance. Everything you had to eat was there. If there was none of that, you had nothing to eat. And that's precisely 
the situation that Habakkuk speaks about. Even if I were not to have any of that, I would still hope in the Lord and rejoice in the God of my salvation. So that's pretty powerful as far as I'm concerned. A final example is that through hope, you should also try to face the difficulties in life, the illnesses you might have to suffer, you will probably have to suffer, and particularly the reality of death when it comes knocking at your door. We have to take that reality of death with a spirit of supernatural faith and hope, knowing that after suffering and death, an eternal life with God and his saints awaits us. So there was something I experienced recently uh, when I went to give anointing of the sick to a friend that I know well called Jim. He later died with all the sacraments. His son-in-law told me that as he, as Jim, felt death approaching, he wasn't saddened at all. On the contrary, he had certain happiness. Of course, he was sad to leave the people he loved in this world. But on the other hand, he was happy, he said, because he was waiting to see God. And he was also hoping to meet all the souls he had prayed for that God will release from purgatory. And he was hoping to meet them in heaven. You see, he had a devotion to the souls in purgatory and had offered many masses and prayers and indulgences for the holy souls. And now he was eager to meet them. All that is based on the virtue of hope that made him face death with a peaceful and even joyful spirit. So, make sure you pray to have such a strong hope that you may also be a good example to others when your turn comes to experience in your life the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ and even the reality of death. Well, thank you for sharing this time with me. Hopefully next time I will be able to reflect on the virtue of uh, love or charity, which is the third of the theological virtues. Please share this episode with your friends, and if you can, please uh, leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.